Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What up, what up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ask Paul. My name is Paul Abernathy. If you don't know who I am, Google me in a minute and you will find out I've been teaching people the National Electrical Code for the better part of 32 years. And I want to thank you for coming to the podcast and finding us on whatever your listening platform may be, whether it's Spreaker, Spotify, Apple uh, Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes Radio, whatever it is that you listen to our podcast on. Much appreciated. Thank you for ch- uh, coming to the show. And as always on the Ask Paul, you too can get involved. If you want to ask a question, just go on over to paulabernathy.com. Paul Abernathy, that's A-B-E-R-N-A-T-H-Y.com. And over there, it's a very simple portal. You simply put in your name, information, ask your question, and I will address it either in a email response, or if it's selected, will be utilized for a podcast, much like today's podcast. Okay, so let's go on and uh, get into today's podcast. It is a long one, pretty simple, straightforward answer, but it is a long pod, uh, a long question that was submitted. And I will say the submitter did give us a donation for, uh, for uh, answering this question again. I'm just going to say it. Um, obviously we answer the questions either by email or in a podcast, uh, order of, uh, urgency, obviously a donation warrants urgency. So uh, again, we appreciate all the donations. That's totally optional for you, but, uh, we do appreciate it. It helps support the paying the URL and the hosting for paulabernathy.com. So again, appreciate all of that. All right. So, um, says, uh, Paul, There is a single-family dwelling in New York State that is located in a Type AE floodplain. The house has been gutted and recently undergoing a complete renovation. As a result of this, and in order to comply with government and insurance company requirements, all mechanicals must be moved out of the basement to the first or second floor. Doing this, along with other floodproofing measures, will benefit the homeowners by allowing them to secure less expensive insurance for their home. FEMA suggests that installing anything that is, quote, connected to the electrical system, 
in the flood-prone area should be on a separate branch circuit. This way, in the event that the home does suffer water damage in the future, the likelihood of only having to replace one circuit, not the entire panel, would be cost beneficial to the homeowner. The basement of the home should clearly be considered a damp or, more likely, wet location. As a result, my plan is to run UF-B to one receptacle outlet, one luminaire outlet, and one switch outlet in the basement. 340.104, of course, Article 340 is dealing with UFB cable, permits UF to be run as a non-metallic sheathed cable provided one follows Part 2 and Part 3 of Article 334. In Part 2 of 334, specifically 334.15b, cable that is exposed should be protected from physical damage by one of several conduit types, uh, obviously with wet rating straps and connections. EMT is one of those types, and 358.10a2 states that EMT can be used in wet locations. That is a true statement. I realize that this might be overkill. Installing a wet-rated cable in a conduit, uh, well, EMT is a tubing, but I get, we get to point, that is that the interior is already considered a wet location in 300.9. That, that would be true. Outside, it would be. Inside, it would not be. So we'll talk a little bit about your, the basement and what you classifying it. Just because it's a flood, flood zone uh, or somebody calls it doesn't necessarily distinguish what type of location it is. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about that. As, assuming this is a good idea, and Lord knows I could use the cable bending practice, probably means tubing, conduit bending practice. As uh, hopefully you don't have too much trouble bending cable. Should be pretty flexible. Anyway, I assume that, as stated in 334.15b, the EMT should extend at least six inches above the floor, first floor, when en route to the panel. Would I be correct here? Please feel free to break down where I'm going wrong here if that's the case. FYI, they're still under the 2017 code. As always, thank you for the time and expertise in all matters NEC. Respectfully, the submitter. Okay, so we, we've got the question laid out on the table. We'll, we'll address the, the issue with uh, protecting in, in the basement. And we'll make some assumptions here uh, for that too, based on what we've got. Okay, the, first, the real first thing that we need to establish uh, is... Even though FEMA might give you guidance, and uh, FEMA's really not going to play any role in, in our NEC guidance, uh, jurisdictionally, they may have some role. Your jurisdiction may adopt certain things, may have certain guidelines that follow and mirror some other standard like the NEMA, uh, I mean, excuse me, FEMA, uh, or something like that. But reality is, we're, we're talking about this basement, even if in a flood zone, um, you have all different types of flood zones, and I'm not a flood zone expert, but what I can tell you is that you have areas that, you know, considered uh, flood zones, and we have certain rules, like in the city of Richmond, down in what we call Shaco Bottom, there were rules of where you could put panels and the heights and everything, and we tended to follow uh, those guidelines for that, and we would follow those rules. Um, 
But obviously, there are certain rules for things. For example, if it's a flood zone and you're following local jurisdiction, they tell you where the panel could be. They might not want it down in the flood zone. They want it a certain number of feet up, whatever. I'm not an expert on that. So I really can't speak to that. You need to work with your local jurisdiction. As far as the basement area itself, so we distinguish it whether it's a damp location, dry location, or wet location. So uh, since you said it should be a damp location or even a wet location, so the damp location, if you're looking in Article 100 of the National Electrical Code, for everybody out there who might already be familiar with this, it says locations protected from weather and not subject to saturation with water or other liquids, but subject to moderate degrees of moisture. Okay. Uh, this really doesn't address flooding, right? So you're being proactive because of recommendations to put UFB in there, which is a wet location rated product. It's fine. I don't have any problem with that. Proactive. Um, you know, not a problem. I don't know. Again, I don't know if I classify it damp just because it has the potential to flood. Uh, to me, it still may be a dry location. So the next thing is what is a wet location? A wet location is installations underground or in concrete slab or masonry in direct contact with the earth in locations subject to saturation with water or other liquids, such as vehicle washing areas and the unprotected locations exposed to weather. So uh, it may flood, right? But I'm going to be honest with you. I'm here in Texas. Now, I'm not in a flood zone, but, you know, we have no basements here. Um, we had that big flooding that took place back when I first came to Texas that really just, you know, it was a drought when we came, then all of a sudden it got all these rains and it ravished everything and it's flooding everywhere. Um, that did not make those areas wet locations because they were subject to flood or they were subject obviously into some type of flood plain. So we have to distinguish the two, right? Um, if you want to be proactive and there are recommendations and your jurisdiction recommends it and you want to put that, then that's fine. Okay. Now, what is a dry location? It's a location not normally subject to dampness or wetness. So a good example would be, yes, you put wiring in your walls. That's a dry location. During construction, they could be subject to temporary conditions of dampness and wetness due to the inherent nature of the framing and open framing and whatnot. But ultimately, the result is it's going to be in a wall. So it's going to, be a, going to be in a dry location eventually. Eventually, that's what it's going to end up with, right? So it does give us some allowances for certain types of exposure for applications. So I would probably, and again, you'd have to work with your local jurisdiction, but I would probably still consider that basement a dry location. Now, you, you can, again, take the advice of uh, what the jurisdiction recommends, what FEMA recommends, and, and, and do that. Again, it's all just a recommendation. So if you are using UFB as a replacement for NMB, perfectly acceptable. You have to understand that you install it like NMB, but it is UFB. Okay, so basically it's saying, look, we have no problem. On the surface, it it's essentially looks the same, just doesn't have the paper wrap in it, and all of the conductors are enveloped in the uh, extruded material. Um, instead of having a sheathing around it with paper and inners, and it's all enveloped, okay? And it's rated for direct burial, and it's rated for a wet location. So 
I have no problem with the installation if that's the recommendation of the you know what they usually do in that area with the floodplain. Again, I'm not a floodplain expert, but I I don't consider everything that's in a floodplain to be a wet or damp location uh, right off the bat just because of that. Now, if it is an area that flood and you want to move the you know a lot of jurisdiction again will have requirements on where you can put your panel board, where you can put your enclosure. Right? And that might be something that isn't enforced through your jurisdiction. So if they're telling you that everything has to be moved up to the first floor because of the floodplain, then, then, then I'd go with that. NEC is not going to address that. And I'm an NEC guy. So um, I am not playing a building official. I have no desire. So I'm only going to, I can only tell you the NEC and I don't deal with any other standard. That's, that's all I deal with other than the stuff for wire and cable industry. So I'm sorry, I can't help you with that. So the premise is here, you're choosing to use UFB. So we'll go with that. In that basement, you made the de- determination on what it is, what its classification is, or you're going with the um, something that's just better safe than sorry approach to the area. Okay, I got it. Uh, the next, the next thing with uh, that I would say with uh, uh, dealing with something like a uh, FEMA is it the recommendation to put uh, everything on a single branch circuit so you don't have to um if the panel's located out of it anyway and it's flooded uh typically you would would gut it um i am going to tell you that even if you run uf in a basement and it gets flooded or saturation submerged uh uf is rated for direct burial it is rated for those applications except for the ends and so it's really no different so if the ends of the cable get exposed then it's still subject to the same conditions. And, and NEMA put out an evaluating water damage document uh, that addresses how to deal with this if it doesn't get to the ends. If it's just the cable, that's one thing. But if it's the boxes and whatever gets to the ends of it where the terminations are made, then that would all have to be replaced. And now you're a little more forgiving with UFB when you start cutting it back if you need to than you do with, with NMB. Because if NMB is exposed to that, and that's non-metallic sheath cable, if, if people are wondering, if that's exposed to submersion or the ends have water, then that just has to be replaced. Okay, You can't dry it out. You can't reuse it. Um, you're a little more leeway from the manufacturer's standpoint when it comes to UFB. Okay, uh, But again, not at termination applications. All right, so we're going to shift from there. And so we've established, based on when I read the question, we've established that, we're, that they would choose to use UFB in that location. And the question is, First thing I usually answer is, can you sleeve UFB in, uh, in this case, he wants to use EMT, which is a tubing. Can you sleeve it in a tubing? And the answer is, yes, you can. Now, if the tubing is complete from point A to point B, okay, then you're going to have to have a raceway fill requirement. If you're just putting it and you're going to have to, again, chapter nine, table one and associated notes, you're going to have to apply that to the cable that's inside of that raceway. However, if it's just for physical damage, like what we're discussing in this, then you don't have a raceway fill requirement for that cable to be installed inside of it, okay? So now dealing with part two of 334, that's an installation. And then of course, part three is in this one is dealing with the construction specifications, right? Um, generally, you don't have to worry about part three. That's taken care of from the manufacturer. So if we're selling, if somebody's selling a UFB, then it's fine. It's meeting all of the requirements for its UL standard, and you're just using it in place of NMB and the applications that are given to us 
in part two, which is the installation parameters. So basically you secure it and support it, do all that just like it was NMB, even though it's UF-B, okay? Oh, and incidentally, for people that ask, what's that dash B mean? Uh, if you've ever wanted that trivia, you know, you've been at the water cooler and all your electricians around and you ask somebody says, guys, what, what, do, you, what do you think the dash B means? Well, the dash B just means that the insulation on the conductors that are inside the cable assembly are rated for 90 degrees C. Now, the benefit of that is that I can do adjustment and corrections, uh, whether I'm in, you know, the conditions of use change, where it's, it's other than 30 degrees Celsius, 86 degrees Fahrenheit, or I happen to have more than uh, uh, four or more current current conductors. If that's the situation, then I can use the 90 for adjustment and corrections. However, we still have to remember that 334.80 is going to limit us at the end of the day after those adjustment and corrections. We still can't exceed the value in the 60-degree column. So all we're really doing is just doing some math to make sure we still have a conductor that can handle the load that we intend to put on it, right? And that we're choosing an overcurrent device that's going to still adequately protect those conductors after the adjustment and correction. But you're still going to be very much beholden to the 60-degree column at the end of the day. So most people would just ignore and say, look, I'm just stuck at the 60-degree. This is what the ampacity is, and this is what I have to deal with. All right. So, and again, we talk about that more in my D-rating demystified. So if you haven't seen that, become a monthly subscriber. You can get access to it, and you can watch it. And I explain all the things about conductors, adjustments, and corrections, and all that kind of stuff. And I will tell you, um, I'll take the opportunity on this podcast uh, sorry to the submitter. I will take an opportunity to tell you that we will have some ICC uh, credit courses coming up in the future that will be breaking down each one of these components so that you can get CEU credits if you're an E1, E2, E3, or whatever. If you're open to use ICC credits for your licensing renewal, things like that, then you will be able to utilize these credits, that type of thing. Okay. Anyway, and we're going to have a module that just does that, you know, talks about conductor sizing and all that. So that's the beautiful thing about it is you're going to be able to pick what you want to learn about and get credit for it. And that's going to be over in CEUDepot.com. That's C-E-U-D-E-P-O-T.com. That's going to be a sister site uh, that's run by us. And that is going to be nothing but continuing education offerings. So bookmark that. You'll see that to start come alive here shortly. All right, let's get back to the question at hand. So since he's bringing up the installation practice, one, he's talking about through the floor penetration and carrying it up six inches, okay? So he's, he made reference to, um, well, we've got a couple, couple of things we want to talk about. So he made reference to 334.15b. Now, this is for exposed work. So we're going to assume that in this basement, it's unfinished basement, uh, they don't want to put anything in there because they're worried about flooding. I know they just recently had a flooding incident, so I, I get it. Um, you can run it on the surface, and again, subject to physical damage is very um, subjective, if you will. Just running something on the surface and super, uh, securing it properly doesn't immediately, to me, invoke, ooh, I've got to worry about physical damage. Could something be damaged? Yes. Is the likelihood of it be damaged? I don't know. So it's a, it's a totally, we don't have a definition of physical protection or, or physical damage or any of that type of thing. Mechanical protection. We don't, we don't have definitions for that. So you're going to have to work that out. So if you err on the side of caution, then you're going to do what this gentleman's doing. 
And he's going to say, well, I'm putting it inside of the uh, uh, basement. And so I'm going to go on and sleeve it in EMT tubing. Okay. Uh, which incidentally in the 2020 code, EMT got elevated to being able to protect against physical damage. Okay. Um, perfectly okay. So if you're going to protect it from physical damage and you're making that call, I'm not making that call for you. It says cables shall be protected from physical damage where necessary. Again, where necessary by rigid metal, intermediate metal conduit, electrical metallic tubing, schedule 80 PVC conduit type RTRC marked with the suffix XW or other approved means. And I should clarify, I obviously EMT is here for the protection and maybe it was the cycle before the 2017 or 2014. I don't know which EMT got elevated, um, but uh, at any rate, here it is. So, cause I'm not an NEC historian. I get a lot of questions from people that say, Paul, when did the code get this? And, and I have to tell them I'm not an NEC historian. I don't spend my time looking back in history. I'm always moving forward. So I can tell you what the current codes are, but I don't have any clue all the history of some reason something got from here to there back from 1970. I don't spend my time. There's other people that do that. I don't have the time for that. I'm, I don't want to be known as an NEC historian. That's just not me, right? All right, anyway, so I mean, I live in today. So we're talking about protection from physical damage, and we have it. So he's choosing to once, he, he is making the, uh, the, the assumption now that the UFB is going to be subject to physical damage. Okay, so it says that you use those type of methods. It also ends on saying other approved means. So again, the AHJ makes, can make a call on an other approved means. It says, we're passing through a floor. The cable shall be enclosed in rigid metal conduit, intermediate metal conduit, electrometallic tubing, schedule 80 PVC, type RTRC marked with the suffix XW, or other approved means extending at least six inches above the floor. Okay, so this is an important thing to, to really look at because probably not done that often. Let me give you an example where this kicks in. If you have an island in the middle of your kitchen and you're popping straight up through the floor into the bottom of this island, then this is an example where you would need to have it protected six inches above the floor. So sleeved in one of these um, wiring methods up at least six inches. So nothing bangs into it as it comes through the floor. But I think one of the misconceptions here is that if I happen to come up through the floor, but I'm coming up into a wall, so I'm going through a bottom plate, this doesn't require it. And we don't do this anyway. So this is purely if you're penetrating the floor. So yes, if you're penetrating the floor, and here's how I think, here's how I explain it. If I have four walls, but I'm penetrating in the middle of a floor. So if I have a room that's 10 by 10, but it's penetrating in the center of the floor, then that's where I have to afford this protection as it passes through the floor. Does not apply that if I'm passing through, uh, let's say from the bottom up through a bottom plate into the wall itself. It's protected. It's in the wall. Now, obviously, you got to make sure you bore your holes so that you're not uh, less than an inch and a quarter from the inside edge of the board hole to the edge of the framing member uh, on both sides, I should mind you. Uh, then it's, it's, it's fine. So this is where I penetrate through the actual floor. That's penetrating through the wall, okay? So your question is, absolutely. If you are penetrating through a floor, 
then you're going to have to protect it up to six inches okay, as you penetrate through the floor. So hopefully that answers that, that question. Now, the next thing that comes into mind is if this basement is an unfinished basement, the way, you just, the way it's been described, like maybe they don't want to do very much to it because it's unfinished. Well, then we have rules that you have to meet as well in 334.15C. That's unfinished basements, and that's where cables are run at angles with the joists in an unfinished basement or crawl space. Again, so you're, it's not permissible to secure cables that are smaller than two AWG or three eight AWG conductors. So it says it shall be permissible to secure cables not smaller than two. So that would be like a six two. That would be fine. Can't be small. It can't be like an 8.2. Or if it's an 8.3, then it's okay to secure them directly to the bottom of the joist. But if it's smaller than that, let's say an 8.2 or something like that, then guess what? You're going to have to put a running board. That doesn't sound like your, your issue here uh, that you're dealing with, but I will tell you the why this really comes into play because if I'm doing this on the ceiling then the argument would be that, well, that is not subject to physical damage, provided you have a ceiling as a full normal basement. They could argue that that's not subject to physical damage, so I'm not going to put those in a raceway, as we just talked about in 334.15b. But as I come down the wall, that's different, because if you look at this unfinished basement and you start following down in C, which wasn't really mentioned uh, in the actual question. Okay. But here's what it says. And I'm reading down and I believe it's the second paragraph is where it's kind of, I guess, well, maybe second, third paragraph that starts in 334.15C. It says non-metallic sheet cable installed on the wall of an unfinished basement shall be permitted. Okay. Shall be permitted to be installed in a listed conduit or tubing or shall be protected in accordance with 300.4. Conduit or tubing shall be provided with a suitable insulated bushing or adapter at the point of the cable enters the raceway. The sheathing of the non-metallic sheath cable shall extend through the conduit or tubing and into the outlet or device box, not less than a quarter of an inch. And of course, the rules is the cable shall be secured within 12 inches of the point where the cable enters the conduit or tubing. Okay, so just you know, within 12 inches of the point that it enters. It says, metal conduits, tubing, and metal outlet boxes shall be connected to an equipment granite conductor complying with the provisions of 250.86 and 250.148. So uh, bonding the boxes, bonding the metal boxes, doing everything. Uh, you're going to have an equipment ground with the UFB, so that's not really an issue. So if it is, and you didn't say, but if it is an unfinished basement, you're coming down the wall. Notice it said wall, not ceiling. Coming down the wall, then you're going to sleeve it in, uh, regardless of whether or not somebody argues that it's subject to physical damage. See, that's the difference. 334.15b is telling you if you're making the decision, if somebody makes a decision that it's subject to physical damage. But 334.15c, which really I don't believe was mentioned in the question, it may have been mentioned in the question. Let me go back and look and see. Now I don't. Now I don't see it anywhere in the question. 
So that kicks in to this situation because I'm going to have to assume that this is an unfinished basement now. They're, it's very minimalist here, right? One receptacle outlet, one luminaire or lighting outlet in one switch. It sounds like these people are used to flooding. So you're going to err on the side of caution. You're going to listen to, you're listening to FEMA. You're listening to the building officials. They know what's going on in an area. Uh, they may have rules that supersede the code. You're making a decision to put it in UFB, which is fine. And you're going to be running down walls that seem to be unfinished. So you're going to be sleeving it in EMT. That's fine. Uh, you're going to be putting a bushing at the top. That's fine. But you remember, you don't necessarily need any type of protection as it runs across the ceiling. If you're running it on running boards, uh, obviously, if it's uh, smaller than a 6.2 or smaller than an 8.3, uh, then you're going to have running boards. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that you have to put it in a raceway as it runs on, in those, on those running boards on the ceiling. But as it transitions down the wall, then you've got the requirements of 334.15C, and then that's what you're going to choose EMT for that, and that makes perfect sense. So I kind of covered all aspects of it where the code is telling you, and we, we don't know whether it's a finished or unfinished basement. We don't know the details because that rule in 334.15C only applies if it's an unfinished basement. Um, so, but to be honest with you, um, if it wasn't unfinished and it was finished, then the UFB would be in, installed in the walls anyway. And I would argue that that's uh, a dry location. If they finished off the basement, then it's a dry location. Just because it could flood doesn't change, in my opinion, what we're dealing with. But again, local rules can be different, and they could already have designated this, and this is what it is. Uh, the good news is you have to make the call, and you're going to make the call. You sound like you've already made the call. You're going to use UFB. It's fine. Uh, in uh, your assumptions. Now, remember, like I said, the question was about the six inches. Um, if you're penetrating the floor from a basement to the first floor, for example, then yes. If you're coming through the floor area, then you would have to protect it. And that's typically if you're coming up, going into a cabinet or coming up, going into, that's normal. Otherwise, you would never penetrate a floor out in the middle of nowhere, right? You hear me? So if you're doing it from the going up through the floor, but you're going into the, you know, through the bottom plate and you're in a wall, then that doesn't invoke the need for that six inches of uh, raceway. It's not necessary for that, okay? So hopefully that answered your question. If I didn't, be sure to give me a follow-up and say that you're doing a follow-up to this question. If anybody else wants to follow up to the question and give their insight, love to have it. That's what this is all about. Um, go to paulabernathy.com, P-A-U-L-A-B-E-R-N-A-T-H-Y.com. Simple form, post your information, and I am more than happy to elaborate on it and give you some more insight if I wasn't clear enough in this episode. Till next time, folks, stay safe. God bless. 